With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For Furphy, at Little Creatures Village, Geelong. This is the warm-up with Warlow and Moods. Hello everyone, welcome to the warm-up for another week. Big show on the way this morning as we get set for a big weekend of sporting action. Matt Wallen with you and Geelong champion Cam Mooney. Moons, uh, welcome mate. It's uh, it's uh, all over. Yeah, grab your microphone. That'll yeah, be it might help. <laughs> How you going, Wallow? Good mate. It's, uh, it's it. It's all done. All done. Yep, it's been a big. Over. It's been a, it's been a great week. It's a great grand final. We haven't touched on the grand final obviously because we haven't been on here. But what an amazing game! Amazing. You, game. Have you recovered? Are you I okay? haven't recovered to be perfectly honest. Uh, the nails, um, the heart. Uh, everything was just difficult. I um, and it's hard to try and uh, be sort of settled and watch the game uh, unbiased. Uh, it was tough. Have you watched it again? I have watched it, but it's a hard grand final to watch because again because. No team got really a run on at any stage that uh, made you go, oh, I want to watch this part for five or ten minutes. Yeah, like, but that's what made it great because it was no, just of course it did. back and forth. Absolutely amazing. Collingwood got started well and then Brisbane came flying back and then it was just an arm wrestle for the rest of the game. No, I really enjoyed it. Loved but, it. Um, yeah, look, there's always parts of the game that you think, oh, you know, this had to happen or had this had to be a decision. So overall, what did you think of grand final day? Uh, as in the game or the... Everything? Entertainment. Well, I thought Kiss everything. were outstanding. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah. not a huge Kiss fan, but I, I do know their songs, obviously. They've been yeah. around a long time, so have I. Um, I thought they were great. I don't understand why they can't do pre-game and halftime. Because I love Mark Seymour, but yeah. that was the wrong act yeah. for halftime. I also like Mark Seymour, but I thought that his version of Holy Grail was a bit flat. I thought yeah. it was like... It was a bit of like it was a memorial service. I was going to say, it felt, felt funerally. Yeah, and then Kate Milhike sure came in. Word, I'm not sure what she was doing. She did, I think personally, she did a good job of the national anthem. But I thought when she came in, she sang really high and I couldn't understand mm. what was going on. I just felt like it needed to be more raw and rocky than well, it was. Well, half time is supposed to be up and about. Yep. Let's get everyone up and about. We just had a great half of football or whatever it may have been, but just get it up and about. It was. It was, it was quite somber. And again, I'm a Mark Seymour and Hunters Collectors fan, but I just don't think it was the right act. But again, why can't Kiss come on at halftime again? Well, they're old, for starters. Well, I know, but any act. The act that we bring out, or the act that we pay a lot of money for, yep. why can't they do their, their 20 minutes pregame and then come out and do another 10 minutes half Yeah, time? Well, that's probably fair. I think the debate's still open in terms of starting times. I don't want to get too buried down in that sort of stuff. But Kiss was great, but and the fireworks look good. I will good. say... Needed to be a night act. Yeah. It would have been amazing at night. I think Twilight would have been ideal. I'm still awful. Yeah, no, I I get that. Hey, I found it difficult because I had watched... You work for Fox, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yes. I've watched Fox slash KO all year. Yes. Every single game. Great coverage. Great coverage. Always is. Love the panel, pre-game, halftime, all that sort of stuff. So analyse it unbelievably well. Come Saturday afternoon... I'm having to find myself go to the Channel 7 app because I stream everything, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I found it – 
this is nothing against Channel Seven's coverage of the pregame slash game, but the ads just took the life <laughs> out of me every time that Collingwood or Brisbane would get a goal. It would go straight to an ad. I wouldn't get the analysis. I wouldn't get the replay. And I just couldn't stand it. And it was actually more stressful as a mm. fan because the game went away for 30 seconds and you're in your own thoughts and like, what happened? What happened? And it comes back and then they ball the ball up. Ball and up then, and, they, and they might get a quick replay. Yeah. In, I know, but that's, that's free-to-air TV because you've got to have your ads. No, I get that. I get that. But I think... I know. It's not great to watch because like, I was watching it at a pub with my son. Uh, we, we did that. Uh, Sorry, mate. I have to interrupt you. I know this... The selection process is the most brutal. <laughs> so is it, sorry, mate. I'll, I'll let you get back to your point, but we had to run the oh, SAS promo. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering what you were doing there. You got me by surprise. That was good. No, no, no. So, well yeah, jump back in. Where were you? Okay, yeah. so I'll come back to where I was. No, we have to go to it again. <laughs> yep. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, sorry. I get it. I know. It was annoying. But, right, I went to the pub with my son after we did. I did my stuff with Fox in the morning. It was either drive home, watch it, or just we just went... Uh, where did we go? Oh, God, I can't remember. Rising Sun. Yep. Um, and just watched it there. Fantastic. But you're right. Every time, add, add, add. Yeah. But that's, that's seven. That's, I get that's it. I get it. I get it. I totally understand it. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen or whatever. Of course, it's got to happen. Just takes a zip away. But it just, yeah, for me, not experiencing it this year um, and your team's mm-hmm. playing, um, I reckon if you're at a party or anything like that and, you, and you're not as invested in the game because your team's not playing. That's almost a, mm-hmm. a, a 30 seconds to chat to your mate or grab another beer or whatever. Um, but, yeah, in do you the, know what when you're the, fixed to it, it's hard. You know, do you know, so Fox on the day, they do we do our pre, pre-game stuff, but we can't actually show the game. Yeah, that, of course. So yep. on Fox, a blank screen and comes on. And it's a countdown to when the replay's going to yes. be on. Yes, yep. and do you know that blank screen rates extremely well? I bet it does. <laughs> People just don't turn it over. No, I bet it does because I've got two TVs yeah. and I had Fox and Seven going yeah, on the pre-games. Exactly. And so when Fox uh, obviously couldn't go to the game, I had the countdown Blake's to the pre-game on for the three it hours. It rates really well. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's actually good to know. Well done, uh, Fox. Yes. Um, yeah, I, look, I think at halftime would have been nice to have a bit of analysis. Like I, I get the whole mm. having Mark Seymour come back on, but I think – in the end, it would have been nice to have a bit of footy talk and well, a bit of I think they get look, they get probably five minutes tops to analyse what happened in the first half. And, and I understand that a lot of people do want to hear the footy talk, but there are a lot of people who just would like a little bit of entertainment as well. It, it's a tough one to, to get right, but I just think the act itself, even though I'm a big fan, wasn't right. Yeah, no, I agree. Hey, um, didn't mention off the top, Paul Dumbrell, Bathurst winner. He's doing some commentary for SEN this weekend. He's going to join us. Bathurst 1000 tomorrow. It's come I've, quick, hasn't it? It has come around quick, and we'll talk, obviously, a bit more about it later. I don't want to get in too much about it now, but I did used to follow the, the supercars a bit. I've sort of fallen off, but there's something about Bathurst. It's a bit like test cricket for mine. You can just sort of turn it on the yeah. background and keep going back to it and watching it. What is it, it? seven so, hours? Yeah, at least. Yeah, 11 yeah. to 6 or something like that. So we'll ask Paul a bit more about that later on. But the trade period, mate, it's uh, it's firing up. Start, it's Next fantastic. week we'll get I a few it. movements uh, for, of players. Um, for, I guess there's a couple of big talking points this week I want to get your opinion on and, and we'll, we can chat about it. Is uh, Oliver obviously has sort of come out of nowhere and the other one is huge, and I mean huge, huge long-term Huge deals, deal. ridiculous. Nine Aaron Norton this week. Was Let's, it nine or eight? Nine, wasn't it? I thought was it was eight. eight? Eight-year deal. Yeah, eight, eight years, sorry. Eight-year deal. Unbelievable. Crazy. Crazy. To- and and we're seeing a lot of it at the moment, and I, I don't get it. Um, 
Like a four-year deal is a great deal. Yeah. That's all you need to give a player. I know and there might have been talk about Sydney coming in over the top. There was a 10-year deal offering on the table but for again, $11 from million. Sydney, from Sydney. Like, even that. Yep. Like, just, you don't know what – particularly with a player who plays the way that he does. And, I, and I'm a big Norton fan, but Aaron Norton isn't uh, Jonathan Brown. No. He's not Nick Rewell. Like he's, he's kicking for goal is, is a liability. Yeah, he and, doesn't and, kick and bags I, I, of goals. And I'm not bagging because I've been there myself. But – He's a fantastic mark. One, I think the best mark in the game because he's doing it as a forward, yeah. contested mark in the game. But he's a crash and bash player. He doesn't get too many just real. <laughs> sorry, noises. mate. We've got to go to the SAS again. No, sorry, please. These, these commercials, <laughs> seriously, what jokes? But he is not a cra- he's not a real finesse player who's just going to get nice like a fritch. Yeah, who gets all his nice ball. He, he's a crash and bash player, but his body could fall well, apart in five years. This is, the point. This is absolutely the point, right? So forget about the goal ratio because goal ratio has dropped away over the over the years. Yeah. I mean, if he can get to a couple of goals a game, which ends up being fifty plus, then that's probably in his wheelhouse, which is which is good. But you make a good point because the body um, of him, the way he plays and crashes right. packs, is great. But how long can that but hold up? The biggest up for? one is there's been talk about him moving down back, so they don't even know if they want him as a forward or yeah. back at the moment or. Well, people outside the four walls probably don't know. So there's a there's a conversation around crazy. these deals that you have. It's almost like you have the ownership over the player from the future because I guess you don't want to get stuck on that you sign a deal of that length that you have to stay at a club for that length. So the Bulldogs, for instance, in five years' time, have got um, still three or so years to run his contract and have the power to yeah. negotiate where he goes and what deals he gets because if he comes to an end after four or five years then they lose a lot of bargaining power. So I think clubs are trying to – it's a business decision. Yeah. They're actually they're actually looking after their assets and saying, well, we think this is going to be valued mm. X amount in this year's time, in so many years' time. So we're in a position then to actually get a better deal if we want to or we hold on to this guy on a long-term deal on money that we know is going to be there in the future. Because that's the thing. At the end of the day, the salary cap's going to go up and up and up over years. Yes. So his money – his money, say, for next year on the salary cap for the Bulldogs or going forward, let's let's just pick any number. Say it's 10%. But in five years' time, that might be 5 or 6% because his pay is a certain rate over those mm. years. And But the salary cap goes salary up, his, up, his money stays the same. So there is something in that. But at the end of the day, these are massive risks to take on players. Yeah, look, I've, I've never been a huge fan. I'm a bit like Kane Corns. Um, I'm not a huge fan on the really, really big ones. But again... You're right. I mean, clubs are now starting to see it as we An do have control. Yeah. We can do something in four it's or five years asset. that we might be able to move him on. And yep. and this is where it's got to get to the point where, where we're seeing a lot of players moving and, and going where they want to go. They've got to understand now it is at the point now where clubs can go without you knowing or without, without your consent, uh, consent yep. Hey, we're going to move you on. Yep. So if players are happy to do that to clubs, they've got to be prepared for clubs to be to well, do that's, it to them. That's the discussion, I guess, in, in years to come, and that's what we see in American sports all of the time. Um, that you know, in the NBA particularly, that you're out the door. See oh, you later, things. You know, and it can and it can be that quick where you that you're off. I mean, the um, perfect example is Drew Holiday for Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks. Came out two days before and said, "No, nah, I'm going to be a Buck for, for the rest of my life. This is where I want to be." Yeah. And they didn't even tell him. His wife went on Instagram and explained exactly what happened. They didn't even tell him. Yeah. They just rang him and said, mate, you're gone. Yeah. Like, this is a man who won him a champion, helped win him a championship. Yep. Off, he, off he goes. That's how it's going to turn in. I don't really want to touch much on Oliver because it's been smashed this week, but it's an interesting one because obviously there's a lot going on behind the scenes that yep. we're not necessarily privy to. You hear stuff on the grapevine all of the time, so it's hard to sort of read too much yeah, into it. That's or, not our place to say. And certainly isn't. But I guess from that point of view, 
this comes back to someone who just signed a massive deal last year that they're in a position that they can, if they want to, move a player on and have all the bargaining chips. Now, if they want to move him out because of behavioural issues and, and it's concern for them, they do lose a bit of ground there. But realistically, Oliver's come out and said, I want to be at Melbourne. You'd imagine he'd stay if that's the case. But, I mean... Oh, they'd be crazy if... He'd be crazy to leave because we've spoken about this group. This group should walk away with a minimum two to yeah. three premierships. Yeah. Um, they would be crazy to le- let him go because he's genuine top five midfielders in the competition, superstar. But if his off-field stuff is a concern, then he needs to pull his head in. Yeah, they've got to look at it. And the club need to sit him down and just go, right, this is the path that we want to take you on to get you on the right path for us to buy into what we want to do. And if he's willing to do that, then you do everything you can to keep him because he's a yeah, superstar. He is an absolute superstar. Interesting to see because if they get Grundy out and get a forward in, I know that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, like a, you know, mm. get him out, get him in, then all of a sudden it does reshape their forward structure yeah. a bit and they're a very good side. Their defence is good. Their midfield's amazing. So, I mean, you're right. There's no excuse that they're not in the mix again next year yeah. and, oh. be, and pushing you know, Just for, get, for another Yeah, remission. find yourself a forward, Melbourne, and you're going to be okay. Yep. Hey, uh, as I said, Paul Dunbrow is going to join us. Bathurst 1000 tomorrow. Looking forward to that. But uh, we're going to get to Moons' six-pack. We're going to take a look at the best AFL trades over the years, the ones that have had impact and maybe premiership contenders as well. And a new segment coming up. It's called That's Enough. This is the warm-up. All thanks to Furfit Little Creatures Geelong. Order up, grow a pizza, any schooner every Wednesday and Thursday at Little Creatures Geelong. For just 25 bucks. visit littlecreatures.com.au. For Furphy at Little Creatures Village, Geelong. You're listening to The Warmer with Warlow and Moods. For Furphy at Little Creatures Village, Geelong. This is The Warmer with Warlow and Moods. AFL season is over, but so much sport coming your way this weekend and over the next few months as well. We're going to cover it all here on the warm-up. Matt Wallen and Cam Mooney with you. Paul Dunbrow going to join us. 2012 Bathurst winner, Bathurst 1000. Tomorrow, looking forward to that in the big race. But Moons, let's get into your six-pack. Over the top to Mooney. Aiming at a career-best six right here. Runs it and gets it. Moons' six-pack for little creatures. All creatures welcome. Yeah, that's right. All thanks to Furfit Little Creatures Village Geelong. All creatures welcome. Moons, off the back of, I guess, the trade period, mm-hmm. we love this time of year. We've spoken about it before. We want to go through some of your, I want to say best, is it best trades? I'm going to go with best best trades impact. and most impact on their club. So it's not about a player that's probably went somewhere and played 300 games or anything like that. This is yep. about an impact. Premiership impacts, basically, yep. is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, had a major impact on their club when they did arrive to their new club, that is for sure. All right, let's start with number six. Well, it's not so much particular order, but it kind of is because I couldn't really, particularly the last few, I couldn't really decide which ones which. I'm probably being biased with number one. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm going to go with Jack Gunston. So at 2012, he left Adelaide. Came over to Hawthorne. Hawthorne's pretty uh, pretty strong in this category, let's be honest. Okay. Uh, Jack Gunston, so left at 2012, came over from Adelaide, played in three premierships, has been a forward star for Hawthorne during his time there. Absolute star. Was he – he could have had – well, I mean, they lost on the weekend, obviously, Brisbane, but yeah. he wasn't in the mix in the wasn't end. wasn't in the mix in the end, but I didn't mind the fact that he went up there, but you could tell he's he was more closer to done. Yeah. Well done. Number six. Number, uh, five. number five. And again, uh, I'm going to give a little shout out to Chris Judd who didn't make this. So people were going, what? Judd didn't, didn't, I don't think that, 
barely played in a, in a final. Yeah, they didn't. So he's a superstar, Juddy. But what impact did he really have at Carlton? Well, he had a, he had huge impact on the on the club and the team, but not enough to drag into a no. premiership. Now, uh, at number five, Paddy Dangerfield it came across top. from Adelaide in 2016. Obviously, won a Brownlow, won a premiership, and has won best and fairest. So I think that's been a pretty good pickup. Now people say well, that's pretty low, but you got to understand when Danger got there, the club was already great. So he didn't have to change the club. The club was already great, but he came in and had a great impact. Yeah, he did. And he needed that premiership, really, he did. didn't he? Yep. At number, where am I up to? Number four. This is one of the great trades of all time and impact enormous. Brian Lake from yes. the Western Bulldogs to Hawthorne. Only had three years there, maybe four. Played in three premierships and a Norm, and a Norm Smith. Smith medal in his very first year. Uh, left the Western Bulldogs as a two-time All-Australian. He was a star. It was time for him to go. Came across and bang. Talk about timing. Timing is everything sometimes in football, and his timing was perfect. Yeah, that is a good Had number Had a huge four. impact there. That was a massive impact. At number three, again, Hawthorne, uh, Josh Gibson. Now, people might say, well, Gibson over late. Absolutely, because he came in 2010. He's also a three-time premiership player and a best and fairest winner. So he might even be two-time best and fairest winner. I might have to look at that one. So he had a huge impact there, Josh Gibson. This is going to sound funny, but he, he feels like now he's a bit of a forgotten star. Like, I don't... Well, he, he took off up to Sydney and... And sort of went... You sort of just didn't quite see yeah. him anymore. Um, I know he does some stuff for Seven and the Races. Did and The Apprentice and, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But, like, he was a star. He absolute was. star. Genuine star. So he might... Have, and maybe an All-Australian or two in there as well. I'm not too sure. But he was fantastic. At number two, I've got Barry Hall. So Barry Hall left St. Kilda, went up there to replace Tony Lockett. Now, that is not an easy thing to do. Of course. Now, he did that, and he did that extremely well. He became their first premiership captain in, what was it, 70 years? Uh, I think it was 72 like, years. 72 something years. Like 2005. He was a genuine superstar, Barry Hall. Uh, so his time in, um, at Sydney was phenomenal. Number one. Here we go. Now... This- this is where I'm, I might be a little bit biased, but I think this man had an unbelievable impact on his football club to help Cameron them to... Th- no, oh. I, I was in 99, so I, I didn't quite make the category. Oh, true. It was my ex-teammate, and I love this man to bits, Brad Ottens. Now, yes. talk about Mr. September. Now, this man, we talk about Clark Keating as Mr. September, but this man came across from Richmond in 2005 uh, when our club was still trying to be a good club. We were still a poor club at that stage. We were trying to be a good club and he stepped in and he was one of the reasons we became a great club and he became an absolute jet in September for us. Unbelievable player, Brad Otten. Did he come as a forward? Because he no, played he a lot a, forward. Ruck, at, ruck slash forward. So, yeah, but he played a lot forward yeah, at Richmond. So end of 2004, Stephen King was was injured a fair bit. Um, ben Graham just retired. So we thought we need somebody to play as a forward ruck. Yep. And Brad Ottens just fell into our lap. And one of the greatest men you'll ever meet. You, um, yeah, Geelong have had some interesting trades in the past. Obviously, uh, in terms of ruckman, like the well, this year well, we haven't had a they haven't had a, a great ruckman since. Yep, yeah, that's how important he was. All right, that is a six pack. Brad Ottens is the uh, number one impact trade in the last twenty years for the Cats. Very biased from Cam Mooney, that is for sure. Superstar. All right, uh, new little segment here. Listen to this on the warm up. That's enough. This is a bit of a segment. I want to sort of showcase a bit of audio from mm. either a talkback caller or something online 
that I think was a bit of a nuff call this week. Now, what I love about this call is the call's terrible, right? But I love Dwayne. This is from Dwayne Russell's show during the week. I love uh, Dwayne's short feedback for this call. Stay with us. It is a little bit long. Player loan system. So the teams in the top eight can only have one pick to pick any player outside the top eight. For instance, Melbourne this year, and they could have uh, done with an extra forward like someone like, let's just say, a Jamara. What would they be willing to pay for that play, that club for that player? As a loan? As a loan. So, for instance, if they turned around, they went to Footscray and said, hey, we'll pay you 800000 for the final series for Jamara. And then uh, what would, what would uh, you think about that? Brett, I actually hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I love Dwayne just going, mate, look. I actually hate it because what are we trying to get out I lo- of? Like, I love your idea, Brett. I love you that you're throwing spitballing, but that is a horrible idea. Why the hell would any club give another club a player during the finals, like a centre half <laughs> forward, and say, "Hey, mate, go and win a flag for Melbourne, and then we'll see you back at we'll see you back at preseason November one." Not going to happen ever, ever, ever in a day. Some of the phone calls that you hear on trade radio and talkback this time of year about player movements. But that's and what why I they love should, it. Is just because some like, of the people that come, and they genuinely think. This is the greatest idea known to man. Yeah. And I, and no one else has thought of it but me. This is awesome. And, I love it. And what I find amazing this time of year as well is that people uh, for their own clubs put so much value on their particular players. Like, we want a first-round pick for this player. Mm. We think he's worth two of these future yeah. first rounds or whatever. So for me this time of year, I was, um, I was driving uh, in the car yesterday listening to Dwayne's show, the last couple of days in fact, and – just trying to take in the talkback callers so I don't often always hear them. And some of the crap. Like, I'm yelling at the radio, yelling at the radio, thinking, what are we actually listening to? I love it. So, yeah, that's enough uh, That's enough there on Dwayne World this week. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to take a look at the marketplace, buying and sell- selling something in the world of sport. And up next, we're going to chat to Paul Dumbrell, 2012 uh, Bathurst winner and SEN commentator to join us. This is a warm-up. All thanks to Little Creatures. Don't forget, order up, grab pizza on your screen every Wednesday and Thursday at Little Creatures Geelong for just 25 bucks. Visit littlecreatures.com.au. For Furphy at Little Creatures Village, Geelong. You're listening to The Warm-Up with Warlow and Moods. For Furphy at Little Creatures Village, Geelong. This is the warm-up with Warlow and Moods. Today, Jamie Winkup joins the greats. He gets his ball. Paul Dungrell gets his first. And David Reynolds on the podium. A whisker away from victory in a classic 2012 race. There you go, Bathurst 1000 on tomorrow. Looking forward to it. It is the great race. And joining us on the line is going to be doing some coverage this week, uh, Moons for SEN is the 2012 winner alongside Jamie Winkup, Paul Umbrell, PD. Welcome, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, can't uh, can't complain with a pies uh, pies win last week. <laughs> oh, that uh, is got another one. Weekend. Yes. So, come on, Moons. You uh, you, you had all the joy last year, so uh, now it's all about the pies. So. Fair enough, too. Yeah, no, mate. Uh, and it was a great weekend. We've uh, we've obviously spoken about it earlier on the show for you, mate. Where did you where did you take in the grand final? I was lucky enough uh, to take my two older boys, seven and five years old, uh, to the game with my wife. So, uh, you know, a pretty special, uh, special day. One of my earliest childhood memories was at the 1990 grand final with my old man, uh, and I was seven or eight years old. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be able to uh, replicate that. 
Were you? Did you get down to? Did, well. did you get down to the fence at the celebration with the boys? They get to high five any of the players. No, they didn't, but they were pretty up and about. So uh, <laughs> no, uh, I think they they got they lost a little bit of interest midway through the third quarter. But they were, they were young, the uh, the uh, theme song. Uh, I think I had some Brisbane supporters behind us, and when they were watching, I think Paw Patrol uh, halfway through the third quarter on my <laughs> yeah. phone, I got a few uh, raised eyebrows. But no, they were right into it. That's the, pretty stock standard, I reckon. The there. old Paw Patrol running through that myself at the moment. Hey, mate, uh, 2012 for you. That must bring back some nice memories. You and Jamie teaming up to to take the uh, the, the crown that weekend. Yeah, probably a little bit like the Pies game. It was a nail biter right to the end. It was. So uh, we. Uh, I think Roland, uh, the team boss, came to me. Uh, Jamie was battling for the championship at the time. So there's this dynamic. Do you try to win Bathurst or do you conserve and ensure you, you, you put yourself in a good position for the championship? And Roland came to me with five or, or six laps to go and said, uh, we're not going to be able to make it on fuel. So we're going to have to pit uh, with a couple of laps to go to uh, just you know preserve Jamie's championship. So you go from the highs of that. Uh, and I think, as as everyone knows, Jamie has a fairly strong willed and yep. uh, might not have listened to uh, to the team orders on that one, but uh, got us got us home, and uh, we we ran out of fuel uh, coming out of the first corner after the race. <laughs> Unbelievable! So, you know, uh, half a cup, yeah, half a cup of uh, half a cup of Red Bull uh, in the fuel. Now, uh, you know, our avid supporters probably remember a couple of years later where we did the same thing. We ran out of fuel uh, on Conrad Straight, leading on the last lap. So. Trust me, we've had it both ways, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, it's, a, it's an amazing race and uh, plenty of stories to come over over the next uh, over the next 24 hours. Paul, 161 laps. How do you decide how many laps you do, or is it even, or is it, or is it, or does Jamie in this in this occasion does he run the most laps, or how does it actually work? There, there's a co-driver, both Sandown and Bathurst, the two endurance races. Mm. Funnily enough, are both 161 laps each, so the co-driver has to do a minimum of 54 laps. Mm-hmm. Um, at Bathurst, the fuel windows, you know, uh, early 20, 22, 23 uh, laps per tank of fuel. So the co-driver probably will do 60 to 70 laps. But the, the challenge is there's other rules. You know, the main driver can't drive uh, more than, I think, it's two, two and a half hours. So, um, you know, you've got to be really careful. You can't just put the co-driver in for their 60 laps at the start because yep. you'll break the rule at the end of the race. So. This is where the strategy really comes into it because, you know, many times, you know, a co-driver might have clocked over 53 laps and the safety car comes out, you know, and the teams have to then put their uh, co-drivers in. So there's quite a lot of strategy about when you get the co-driver laps out. And I think, you know, this year you look at, you know, Garth Tander, uh, you know, in the Grove Racing, Jamie as a co-driver, um, you know, it's funny, you know, multiple championship winner, five-time Bathurst winner, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, him be a co-driver, but it lets it opens up so many possibilities. You know, you can put Jamie in at the start of the race mm. and, you know, you've got a multiple winner there. You know he's going to do a good job. Where some of the less experienced co-drivers, and I'll put myself in that boat, you know, many years ago, um, you know, you're a little bit rusty. You're not racing week in, week out. So, you know, the teams are a little bit cautious about that as well. So plenty of strategy behind the scenes uh, going into the big race tomorrow. It's interesting because it hasn't always been that way with the co-drivers. We've seen, you know, back in the day where, the, the two teammates would actually drive together in Bathurst. You were one of the first or in the first handful of years that actually the co-drivers from outside of the series came in. Yeah, it wrapped it. Uh, it pushed up the uh, the prices for the co-drivers. <laughs> we, we all became a lot more valuable. So, Moonberger, you know, you know, uh, anything where you can get a good contract uh, yep. is uh, always, always You always good. take but, it. Uh, but no, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hung on to that one for seven or eight years. Um, <laughs> no, I think the, the big challenge was... Um, 
some teams, you know, they, they put obviously the two stars in the first car and then they put two rookies or two internationals in the second car and it very much became, a, a you know, a focus on one car within the team. Um, so the probably the quality of the race wasn't uh, where, where it needed to be. Likewise, you know, if the main car fell out, the two superstars of the series, you know, uh, would be out of the race. So they made this rule. It's, you know, it's quite contentious. Uh, some teams, you know, still to this day uh, disagree with it. Uh, you know, Roland Dane, um, you know, ex, uh, ex-owner of the Red Bull team uh, and, and still chairman of the business, he continues to say to this day, regardless of the rules, he would split his drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's his philosophy. You have two cracks at winning the race um, as, as well. Um, which I guess you, know, you always have that, you know, differing views of, of what the best way to go about it is. Paul, when we talk about this, we, we, we talk about the track and the hill. When you're coming up and when you come back down that hill, can you tell us how fast are you actually going by the time you hit the bottom? I think the, the most famous uh, sort of uh, part of the track is as Skyline, where you come mm. up over the hill, yep. you see the cars, you know, get a little bit of air. That's about you turn into a blind corner and you have to apex on the right-hand side a wall and you're doing about 220 k's an hour as you're doing in that. So you're you're turning into a blind crest, turning right at 220 and you actually can't see what you're trying to aim for on the right-hand side. So you've seen many people get it wrong. I've Mm. I've been in in that camp as well over the years. (laughs) Mate, just quickly before we let you go, can we just get a one-word tip? And also, going back uh, for the first time in many years, not as a driver, of course, how's that feeling? Yeah, first time in five years I've I've been there. So uh, I've only been to one race over that five years, you know, COVID uh, COVID and a young family uh, as as well. So really excited. It's going to be nice weather up there. So it's going to be a great, great day to call the action on SEN. Um, You know, nothing like a... Uh, an inexperienced commentator getting into an eight-hour call. So I did throw myself into... I You're going to have to talk about the magpies, uh, I reckon, <laughs> through the broadcast, mate, to get you through. I know. I said to Hutchie, if you need to cut me out halfway through so I'm uh, bringing down the ratings, he knows, he knows where to call me. But uh, I, I reckon a little bit of a left field. Yeah, I reckon Shane Van Gisbergen uh, yeah. is going to win this year. I think, you know, China uh, is behind in the championship. I think he can take plenty of risks this weekend. He's got a fellow Kiwi uh, co-driver in Richie Stanaway as well. And I think he's really going to want to uh, go back-to-back in Bathurst this year to sort of sign off his uh, Australian career. Yeah, it is fantastic. It's going to be a great weekend. We love Bathurst on a Sunday, just uh, yeah. sitting on the couch at home, taking it all in. It's a bit like Test Cricket we spoke earlier. Just it, You just have that noise on the background and, and uh, consume it for the afternoon. Mate, good luck with the call. Good luck with the race. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. It should be an absolute belter. Thanks, guys. Thank Hopefully you, Brian. Have a good weekend. Paul Dunbrell joining us there as he's looking forward to Bathurst 1000. Tomorrow afternoon, it's going to be an absolute belter. Stay with us. We'll get our marketplace up next. All thanks to Little Creatures. For Furphy at Little Creatures Village, Geelong, you're listening to The Warmer with Warlow and Moods. For Furphy at Little Creatures Village, Geelong, this is The Warmer with Warlow and Moods. Still plenty to come on this morning's show. All thanks to Furphy at Little Creatures Geelong. Make sure you order up and get down to Little Creatures this weekend. Looking forward to some decent weather though, Moons. Mm-hmm. The, uh, we had a 40 degree grand final day last <laughs> week and we were running with 15 over the next couple of days. So it's, uh, it's I don't know what's going on. It's nice to have daylight savings, but we want to be able to get out in some sunshine, not so much the rain. Um, we're going to take a look at some of the weekend preview in just a moment, but let's get into the marketplace. The Marketplace for Little Creatures. All Creatures Welcome. Sells the dummy, kicks the goal! 
Yeah, we're buying and selling something in the world of sport. And this week, Moons, I'm going to kick it off. Um, what are you obviously, buying? Obviously, this time last week, we're getting ready for grand final day. Mm. Great day. Collingwood fans would have been loving the result, all the rest of it. We find out on the Saturday morning late mm. that Jack Ginevan's gone to the races oh, at yes. Mooney Valley. And yes, uh, money, money Valley, as they love to call it, on a Friday night. And uh, so the preparation. So you're saying that was a good thing? Well, I think the preparation was questioned. Uh, Craig McRae during the week also mentioned that, you know, maybe it's not the best <laughs> idea, but people have got to be themselves and mm. do what they need to do. So what I'm buying is not necessarily the fact that he went. But I'm buying Mooney Valley because this week Jack Ginnivan has become an ambassador for the Cox Plate. Bring on the Cox Plate! Can't wait to be here Friday night, Eve of the Cox Plate, and Saturday to watch them run again. Ah, oh, great gig. Marketing 101. He's probably got, he's topped up his betting account. He's getting great seats at Mooney Valley. He's getting all the catering. He's probably signing order mm. us, getting photos. I reckon brilliant. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. And these little outfit to Mad Monday. Perfect. And they, one of the jockeys actually during the week is going, I don't know where he got those silks from. Uh, and he's organised in the quickly. space of 24 hours he's had to organise Well, he's that. played in the grand final on the Saturday. Sunday is what it is with the family day and all that sort mm. of stuff and a lot going on. Mad Monday comes around. Where did he have time? So someone's organised him for it. Well done. Outstanding too. Great to come in, outstanding. Yeah, well done. What are you buying this well, week, Well, on the back of uh, Jack Ginnivan's Mad Monday kit, I am buying Premiership Mad Mondays because wow. I spent – I did 15 Mad Mondays. I only enjoyed three of them. Yeah, Premiership right. ones. Yep. Let's be honest because when you, get, when you go to a Mad Monday, it's either the Monday after the home and away season, you're not playing finals. Yep. So you've had a horrible That's year. That's a poor season. That's a poor season. Or it's the Monday after you've just lost a final. That's not, that's not that's great. A bad You're feeling. not celebrating too much. Everyone goes, Mad Monday's best day. No, they're actually pretty crap. Yeah. But if you're celebrating a premiership, best Monday of your life. Yeah. And I remember 2007, little story here, 2007. Yes. So we came in. So everyone says, this was your favourite. I said, 2007 by, by far, because we get down to Lord of the Isles, which is a pub down in Geelong, used to be owned by um, a bloke down there who was Peter Burnett. Absolute superstar, legend of a man, passed away, just a great, great human. Used to put on a breakfast for us every morning. Beers, breakfast, 9.30 a.m., we'd be into it. Bloody fantastic day. Stephen King, 07, got up telling jokes. Like It was just one of those great days. So anyway, by the end of the day, a handful of us would always go to another bloke's pub, uh, the, the Commo. Comet of Fiend, which is now ironically owned by Billy Brownless. Billy Brownless, yes. Uh, Jack used to own it. So Jack would let us come in and we'd get in there about five, six, seven o'clock at night and he'd just keep it open for us, close the place down and then we'd stay there till eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Just have an absolute <laughs> belt. Anyway, but this night we're sitting there, myself, Scarlo, Corey Enright, Joel Corey and I think uh, Darren Milburn. We're sitting at the table and the other boys hadn't started to filter in yet. So the text messages go out, filter in boys, come up here, this is where we all are. Just before that, Gary Senior walked into the pub. The great man. The great man. God has walked into the yes. pub and and walked over to us. And as all ablets do, they'd call you by your first name. Hello, Cameron. Well done. Congratulations. Matthew, congratulations. So he's gone around the table. And <laughs> yeah. Nathan Ablett used to do it. You go, Gay Nathan. Hello, Cameron. How are you? Like, <laughs> it's just an ablet thing. So the great man sat down with us. And for the next couple of hours, we're just pouring beers into his throat, just listening yeah. to stories, just getting everything they're offering. We're having the best time of our life. God is sitting at our table. Yes. And eventually, Scarlo gets the courage up and goes, hey, Gaz, how many goals do you reckon you'd kick on me? And he goes, oh, probably three or four. 
in the first quarter. And we've all lost it. We're rolling around on the floor. We thought it was the greatest thing we've ever heard. And then eventually I go, who's the best fullback you played on, Gaz? Come on. He goes, oh, you know, Danny Frawley, Spuddy, he was good. And he's naming a few. And he gets to and he goes, oh, who's that bloke? Who's that bloke used to, he was, he was pretty good, um, played at uh, uh, Carlton. What was his name? And I went, Sylvain. He goes, yeah, him. He wasn't bad. That was a fullback of the century. century. Forgot his name. Oh, again, we're rolling around I on the floor. Know. The I, great I, man. I'm surprised that Gary even remembered Spuddy. Oh, he was yeah. always known for not really no, sort had of... Had no idea had, of anyone. Yeah, and then all who? the boys filters in. Gazza Jr. filters in. He's like, what the hell are you doing here, Dad? He goes, oh, having a beer with the boys. We had, it was the best night of my life. So that was the by far the best Mad Monday. Buying bad Mondays, that is for sure. Gaz, right, we're going to sell something this week. I'm going to stick with you. You're okay. selling. What are you, what are you selling this I week? I am going to sell the carry-on, and I know it's not a great what, what's happened with Callum Mills, but the apology and the carry-on, it feels like he's murdered somebody. I want to firstly show my, my remorse and apologise to the club, the coaches, the board, my teammates, and especially the Swan supporters. I made a bad mistake, I put myself at risk, and I take full responsibility. Like, I get it. Yeah, like he, it's he, a lot. Like, he's injured himself on a mad Monday, and yes, I get it, but come on. It's like he was in court saying, before you give the sentence, I just want to say how sorry I am to, can I speak to the uh, victim's family yeah. here and just mention that I'm so remorseful, this will never happen again, I'm so sorry, I, please forgive you me. You could do that act a thousand more times and he wouldn't hurt himself. And unfortunately, yeah. it was just a really unfortunate accident. But to put him up there and make him apologise like, you know, something horrible had just happened in the world... This wasn't 9-11. Like, come on, let's oh, just, no. just calm down. Yeah, it's just, it's just an injury. Spell. Let's just everyone just, and everyone that's jumping on him, talking about should he uh, lose his captaincy, well, captaincy loss, um, down, loss people. of wages, all oh, that sort of stuff has been God's coming sake. out. This hey, week. what are you selling, buddy? I'm selling. Well, I'm selling a few things. I just wanted to quickly mention the World Cup's been announced for 2030, which is going to be in Spain. Portugal and Morocco, but also games in South America, okay. which are going to be in Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina. Okay, so, so every country me, in the world, I think getting everyone's a game. getting a game. I think Canberra's <laughs> getting a game. I think New Zealand are going to have a couple more. Like, I just feel like I understand there's a hundred year anniversary, and that's why they're playing some games in South, mm. South America as well. But come on, let's let's get a handle on this before it gets out of control. We're playing in three different continents for crying out loud. And I anyway, think, I think uh, was it about forty teams now, forty six teams or forty eight teams or something like that from up from thirty two. Yeah, crazy. And the next one's in in America, Canada, and it's harder Mexico. to miss it than get in. I think so. I think um, yeah, I think so. But I'm actually selling VAR this week yes. as Liverpool supporters. Horrendous. I don't. I don't agree with uh, Klopp coming out and saying the game should be absolutely re- it replayed. Should. No, replay it. But We've been robbed. They, we were robbed against uh, Tottenham. That could Big cost Angers us the team. premiership. Well, it could. Big Ange just on a roll. One of the only two teams undefeated. Uh, them and Arsenal. Uh, but let's have a listen. The audio came out this week. It is an absolute shambles. I'll I'll check complete. In. Check complete. It's fine. Perfect. Thank you, mate. Wait, wait, wait. decision was offside. Are you Are you happy with this? Yeah. Are you happy with this? Offside oh, so decision. Go. Yeah. That's, no, that's what it does. What? On field decision was offside. Are you happy with this image? Yeah, it's onside. The image we gave you is onside. He's played. He's yeah. gone offside. So, what actually happened on the field, which was remarkable, is that the VAR thought that the goal was given. Mm. 
And so when they did a review and they said check complete, then the check complete means that the decision you had yes. is fine. But the confusion was that it was given offside. Give so when they restarted the game and the ball went out, they said, ah, oh, there's nothing we can do here. There's nothing we can do. Just let it roll. Like what an absolute like, farce. Soccer is the, is, the, is the game that you can stop it at, at some point because – how many goals are being kicked? Like in AFL, you might get three goals in that space of uh, you know yeah, three minutes. minutes. But this this was like twenty seconds. Yeah. The ball went out of bounds, and they said delay the game, delay, delay, delay. delay. And it's like there's nothing we can but do. But as you said, there's they do it, they do it with do penalties. Now. They play they play on, and then they check after the ball's gone out to see if it yeah, was a penalty. Yeah, the ball goes up the other end. It was so weird. Liverpool a couple of years ago, they were playing City, I think, and City had a penalty shout, and then they let it play because they didn't call it, and the Liverpool scored up the other end. They went back and thought, oh, that's probably a penalty, but now that Liverpool scored, <laughs> uh, it's bad it. luck, there's nothing we can do. That situation is a different one, but if you're going to have technology come in like that, and they, they're talking about millimetres of offside, some decisions, if you're going to have technology like that, it's got to be right. But the fact that they thought the decision was one way and it was actually, oh, oh that's just how bad it was. An absolute disgrace. Anyway, if we lose by a point or two, I am going to... Yeah. I don't know. Well, I know. It's an absolute disgrace. This weekend, uh, Cricket World Cup starts uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but I haven't really been involved in the build-up at all. Watched a little bit of the other night with uh, England took took on uh, New Zealand. Now, quick question. Why why isn't India opening up the World Cup? doesn't make any sense to me. There was no one in the crowd. No one in the crowd. I know those two teams played in the final. I get that, but I just feel like, yeah, you've got to open up with the host. England had had a great... Great first innings, but then New Zealand, oh my God. Yeah. They've just gone nuts and got it in about 35, 36 overs. Yeah. Bathurst tomorrow, looking forward to that. It's one of those ones, I guess, I'll put on in the shed and I'll sort of come past every mm-hmm. so often and see the updates. But it's one of those uh, races that I guess it's just a tradition that we watch. And, you know, even if you don't love motorsport from week to week, and I'm not that person watching it week to week, but I think Bathurst, yep. you sort of just flick it on and, and get the result, a bit like sort of test cricket. So, that's it for us, mate. Have a good weekend. All right, buddy. Uh, we'll Look see some trades during the week, hopefully, and we'll get a bit of player movement and uh, see what the go is. But looking forward to seeing all the action Cannot as the wait. AFL hits the headlines still for the next few weeks, that is for sure. Have a good weekend on the warm-up. All thanks to the little creatures. We'll catch you next Saturday morning. Enjoy.